Good morning. I hope you've had a good week this week. Got a little bit of rain, had some bad weather, but boy, it's beautiful. Been beautiful this weekend, and I hope you're doing well. Just hang in there. I know it's been a while since this coronavirus has come, and we're all kind of getting antsy, tired of not being able to get back to our normal, regular lives, but just keep on going. Uh, That's all we can do. There's nothing we can change about this situation, so uh, we're just going to do the best we can. I'm glad that you're able to join in, those of you that are able to watch every week, and I thank you for that. I'm going to keep on posting sermons online as long as this thing goes on, and so keep keep joining us back here every Sunday and every Wednesday. And uh, also, if you're not familiar with our one-minute messages, we do those every day, uh, usually posted sometime in the afternoon. After lunch on Facebook, you can find them. On our website, you can find them. Uh, one-minute message. Uh, it might be something good that you want to check out if you had not already checked that out. But we're going to get started with a little music this morning, so I hope you can sit back and relax and just praise the Lord over these next few minutes.
praise the Lord for that good music that we've had over the last few weeks. A special thanks to Macy Freeman and to Murray Reynolds and then to Ernest Herndon for playing for us this week. And I hope you guys are blessed from that music. And I want to thank you guys uh, that have prepared the music for us so we could have some worship service before we get into God's Word. Uh, We're about to get into God's Word and we're going to be in Psalm 38 this morning. We're just continuing through the Psalms. We've been here for the last few weeks. And this morning we're going to be in Psalm 38. We're going to attempt to do the whole thing. Uh, So if you have a Bible and want to read along, you can turn there now. Psalms is is pretty easy to find. If you're not familiar with where it's at, just kind of flip your Bible open right to the middle. And you're probably going to be somewhere around the Psalms. Of course, if you're using a smartphone or a tablet, uh, just scroll through your list till you find Psalms. And click on that and it'll get you to where you need to be. But we'll be in Psalm 38. And we'll attempt, Lord willing, to cover the whole chapter today. It's 22 verses, but we'll split it up into a few different sections. We should be able to get all of the the verses today. We'll read through a few at a time, and then we'll talk about it. So let's pray, and then we'll get into God's Word. Father God, we come to you, and I thank you for these words, and they're good for us, dear Lord. And I pray that that we would just get what we need from them today, dear Lord. We all have different things that that's going on in our life, but God, your word is so good to touch every area of our life, no matter what's going on, no matter what we need to hear today. I pray, God, that you would help us to be able to hear it. So I pray that you would hide me behind the cross and help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And I just thank you that we have technology, that we're able to do this and and meet online, dear Lord. It's not the same as being able to meet together, God, and we all miss one another. and, And God, I pray that you would help us to be able to get back on track and get back into your house soon. But until then, I pray that you just bless the reading of your word, uh, even through these screens and phones and computers that we watch it on. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 38, we'll read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll kind of break down and see what's going on here. Psalm 38, verse 1. Lord, do not punish me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk into me. And your hand has pressed down on me. There is no health in my body because of your indignation. There is no strength in my bones because of my sin. For my sins have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. Here we have another psalm of David. And David is going through some suffering here. Although this psalm doesn't really tell us exactly when this suffering is taking place and and what is the cause of this suffering. It just goes right into the suffering. Now, David attributes this suffering that he's going through as some type of punishment from the Lord, that the Lord is angry with him uh, for something that he has done. Now, we have no way to know for sure, uh, but some scholars have suggested, and it seems as though this may be likely, is that this event is taking place uh, when David is fleeing from his son Absalom. Now, way back in 2 Samuel, uh, if you want to flip there, you can. You don't have to, I'll read it. Uh, But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 10 through 12, uh, we see the consequences for a great sin David committed spelled out to us. Now, David had took another man's wife. Uh, He had saw her bathing on the roof. She looked beautiful to him. He took her. He got her pregnant to cover up his pregnancy. Uh, he uh, He had the woman's husband killed. And God was going to punish David for that, and he did it through uh, a guy by the name of Nathan who pronounced this sentence upon David of what was going to take place. And we find that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. It says, 
Now therefore the sword will never leave your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on you from your own family. I will take your wives and give them to another before your very eyes, and he will sleep with them publicly. You acted in secret, but I will do this before all of Israel in broad daylight. So this is a possibility that this is the situation that's taking place here. Now, in that situation that was described, it was quite a while after the events of, of, of David's adultery and having Uriah killed that these things took place. But it was ultimately his own son, Absalom, that began a revolt against David and drove David out and uh, actually slept with David's own wives and concubines right there on the roof of the palace for everyone to see. So this prophecy that was, uh, that was told by Nathan of what was going to take place uh, to David because of his sin, uh, it did take place sometime later. And it's possible that this is the event that's, that David is talking about here, that as he's fleeing from, uh, from Absalom and the situation, that, that he's physically in a bad place, mentally in a bad place, spiritually he's still focusing on the Lord, but, but David is really struggling. Now, regardless of, of whether that's the actual event that this psalm describes, it's not really a big deal to us to know for sure. Because what David is going through is probably something that you and I can relate to. Even if we don't know the exact situation that brought these consequences on David, uh, we have situations of our own that may uh, bring us into similar consequences. Now, David attributed all of this suffering that he was experiencing to the anger of the Lord. He says at the very beginning, Lord, do not punish me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. So the things that are happening to David in his life, he's attributing those to the Lord. He, he, he believes that these things that are occurring are a result of something that he has done. And he says in verse 2, for your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has pressed down on me. Now, when he speaks of arrows here, the Lord doesn't use physical arrows, of course, but uh, he's speaking probably in a, in a, in a, a, a figurative a sense. That, that, that is, he can feel the Lord kind of piercing into him. He feels the conviction for what he's done. He feels the hand of the Lord pressing down on him. Now, you probably have felt that feeling before. Uh, maybe you haven't. If you're not a Christian, maybe you've never felt that feeling, but maybe if you read God's Word, maybe if you're listening today, Maybe the Holy Spirit will begin to convict you and you'll begin to be pierced uh, by the Word of God about things in your life that you've done that you shouldn't have done. Uh, if you're a Christian, you've no doubt felt this because that's probably what led you to become a Christian. You realized your sinfulness. As God began to convict you of all the things in your life, you realized how sinful you were and how much in need of a Savior you were, and you turned your life over to Jesus Christ. And when you feel God in your life pressing down on you, when you feel conviction of sin in your life and you feel that uh, the Word of God piercing into you and the Holy Spirit just convicting you in that way, boy, it's a, it's a tough feeling. Now, even as Christians sometimes, we probably feel that feeling when we're doing things we shouldn't do. We feel the hand of God pressing down on us and we may even feel that God is angry with us and He may indeed be angry with us. Now, God was angry with David. Now, did David get forgiven for what he had done? Absolutely. David was very repentant when Nathan came to him and explained to him what had taken place, and David finally got it. Uh, David was broken over what had taken place. He knew that he had done wrong. And God had forgiven him for that sin, but there were still going to be consequences and punishment as a result of the sin that David had committed. And it came sometime later. 
uh, and and David was going to have to deal with that when the time came. Now, this is hard. This is a hard thing maybe for us to wrap our head around or maybe even to understand, but even sins that we are forgiven for still sometimes have consequences. Now, it doesn't mean that we're not forgiven of those things. God will forgive us if we, like David, have a repentant heart and we seek him and come to him. But there are some things that we do that do have consequences, and that's scary, uh, but we can't let it overwhelm us. I know in my mind, I think, well, boy, let me think back of all the things I've done and what the consequences could be. Uh, and boy, that can get us really in a, in, a, in, a, in a down place. That can cause us worry and a lot of stress. So I don't think that we should necessarily worry about those things. But when we begin to see things occur, maybe it comes to our mind, hey, this is a consequence to something I've done. I remember when I was a child on the playground playing with one of my friends. It was around the third or fourth grade. And I don't remember exactly what had taken place. One of my friends had said something mean or did something mean to me on the playground. But I do remember that after recess was over, as we were all gathered at the water fountain, ready to go back into the classroom, he had come to me, and he had cut his hand or hurt his hand in some way. And he came to me, and he apologized. He said, I need to apologize to you. He said, I said or did that mean thing, whatever it was to you, and look at what's happened to me. Now, in his mind, he attributed uh, that that bad uh, thing that occurred to his hand as a result of, of something bad that he had done to me. Now, I don't even remember what it was, and it's no big deal. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal at the time. I didn't think much of it. But I do remember the fact that he came and apologized and, and attributed the consequence to his hand uh, as, as the action that he did against me. And maybe that was the case. Maybe that was some punishment that God was trying to get his attention. Uh, maybe that was just a coincidence, but in his mind, it, it brought to his mind and convicted him that what he had done to me uh, was a wrong thing to do, whether his hand being hurt was from the Lord or not. Now, you may have similar situations and experiences in your life. There may be things that you have done, and then down the road, maybe soon after or maybe years after, uh, something occurs, and the first thing that comes into your mind is, boy, I, I, I remember this situation that happened, and I wonder if what happened now is connected with what happened then. And you may feel convicted. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I've done this wrong thing. And you may feel what David is describing here, these arrows piercing into you, that conviction, uh, the Holy Spirit just really grabbing a hold of you. And you can't really get any rest when you feel that. If you've ever felt it before and you feel the hand of the Lord pressing down on you, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a hard thing really for me to describe, but it's something that a lot of you listening to this you probably know exactly what, I've, what I'm talking about. You've experienced that kind of conviction, and you feel like, boy, the Lord's not happy with something I've done. And uh, praise the Lord, the solution to that is the same solution to David uh, and David's life, and that is to repent of what we've done and turn from it. And the Lord is faithful to forgive us of those things. It says in verses 3 and 4, There is no health in my body because of your indignation. There is no strength in my bones because of my sin. Now, David can't get any rest. He doesn't feel healthy. Uh, obviously, he's not. We see some physical things described later on, uh, and, he, and, he, and he knows this is because uh, this is the Lord's anger pressing down on him, but he also knows that it's, 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 it's right for God to be angry with him, that he's done something wrong, and he knows that he sinned, and it's because of his sin that these things are happening. And he says in verse 4, For my sins have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. Now, 
A lot of you, if not all of you watching this, you get that. You know what your sins can do. Boy, they weigh down on you. And when you begin to think about them, you begin to be overwhelmed by them. They are too much for us to bear. They were too much for David to bear. And he knew that. So what did he do? He called out to the Lord. He knew he had sinned. He knew that these things that were happening were a consequence to that sin. But he knew where to go to find help. He didn't say, boy, that Lord's anger with me and I've sinned, so therefore I'm just going to lay here and die and give up. He didn't do that. He said, Lord, I've sinned, but he's still calling out to the Lord, have mercy on me, God, be there for me, deliver me, God. I know that it's my fault, but God, don't let your anger destroy me in all of this. Just, just God, get me through it. That's kind of his prayer throughout this whole psalm. Let's read a little further in verse 5, verses 5 through 10. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am bent over and brought low all day long. I go around in mourning. For my loins are full of burning pain, and there is no health in my body. I am faint and severely crushed. I groan because of the anguish of my heart. Lord, my every desire is known to you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart races. My strength leaves me. And even the light of my eyes has faded. My loved ones and friends stand back from my affliction, and my relatives stand at a distance. Now, in these verses, David proceeds to tell a lot of physical things that are going on. Now, it's possible that these things that David is, is, is speaking of here, uh, maybe he's just using this in a, in a figurative way, uh, describing his, his spiritual uh, anguish and physical terms. Or, or it's also possible that what David is describing here are actually physical things that are occurring in his life. I believe these are actual physical things that David is going through. Now, why he's going through these things, what exactly he has, whether it's some kind of sickness or maybe as he's just if he's fleeing from Absalom, maybe as he's on the run, these these wounds have occurred uh, as he's trying to flee and not able to stop and take care of himself. I don't know exactly what's going on in David's life because the text doesn't tell us, but it sounds as though these things that he's describing are real uh, physical uh, ailments and things that he's going through. He says that his wounds are foul and festering because of his foolishness. And so, again, David doesn't—he he doesn't pretend as though he's—he's he's innocent here. He knows that he's done wrong. He knows that he's done foolish things, and those foolish things are resulting in some of the things that are happening to him right now. He says, "I'm bent over uh, and brought low all day long. I go around mourning." That could be that he's bent over because of some physical condition he has. Perhaps he's been over in prayer. Perhaps the morning he's talking about is he's just uh, in such a bad place that all day he just goes bent over just praying to the Lord uh, and mourning the situation and what's taking place. Uh, but he says there's no health in his body. He's just, he's just in anguish. He just is, is in a bad place. Now, in a physical sense, some of us can probably relate to that. We've probably been in such a place like that in our life where we were just in a lot of pain. And it may or may not have been a consequence to something we've done. Uh, I want to make sure to say that when we go through this and we talk about consequences for our sins and does God ever punish us, well, I think it's clear through Scripture that sometimes there are things in life that occur as punishment for our sins. And I think this uh, psalm is a great example of that. Uh, the fact that the Lord disciplines us is not something that's uncommon to us in Scripture. We'll look at some of those scriptures in just a minute. Uh, there are things in life, however, that, that are just things that happen. They're not necessarily maybe a consequence for our sin. 
Not everything that occurs, I believe, is God punishing us. Perhaps sometimes it's the devil testing us. Perhaps sometimes it's just life and things that occur in our life. Uh, but maybe there are other times that God is uh, uh, bringing punishment. And I think we'll know that because we'll know the conviction that comes. Boy, if we really feel conviction that we've done something wrong, then that's a pretty good indication that maybe this is from the Lord. Now, it could be the devil trying to bring condemnation and guilt, and we need to pray that God would give us discernment between the two. Uh, but there are things in life that if you, if you really feel convicted, uh, and maybe it is from the Lord or maybe it's not, but if you feel convicted, just pray, God, look, if I did wrong, I'm sorry. If you feel like you did wrong, then say, God, I repent. I shouldn't have done uh, whatever it is. And, and maybe whatever's going on is a consequence of your sin, but it may not be. It, it may just be life. So don't get overwhelmed and think that every bad thing in your life that occurs is punishment from God, and you need to go back and, and try to figure out what that is. Uh, but if that conviction ever comes in your life, then just repent of that and say, God, if this is what that's for, then God, I do feel convicted, and I, I just pray that you forgive me. And God is faithful to forgive us in those times. And David's doing that just right here. He, he felt like that what was going on in his life was a consequence of his sin. In as bad a shape as he was in, he says, look, God, you're right to be angry. You're right to, 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 to want to bring wrath on me. You're right in everything you do because I've sinned, but God, I pray that you just, just have mercy on me, just deliver me. And maybe when it says David went around, bent over in mourning, that's exactly uh, what he was talking about. It says in verse 10, my heart races, my strength leaves me. Even the light of my eyes has faded. Now, some of you get that because there are times that, boy, our sin really comes down on us and we feel that conviction. And there's that, whoa, wait a minute, I've really done wrong. I've really sinned against the Lord. And as we begin to think about it, our heart begins to race because we just know that we shouldn't have done that. And, and it almost looks as though there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe that's what David means here when he says that uh, the light of his eyes has faded. Now, he may mean that in a physical sense, that his eyesight is not good because of his condition. Or maybe he means it in a spiritual sense. He, he can't see any light anymore. It's like he's, uh, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, if we could say that. There are times in our life that we may be overwhelmed by our sin and our heart races and we, and we just we feel the pressure of that. And it may look to us that, boy, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Now, that's the enemy. That's what the devil wants you to think. He wants you to think there's no light at the end of the tunnel. What you've done in your sin is so bad. God uh, will never, never forgive you. God, you'll never see God again. He's gone from you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. That's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie of the devil. He wants us to seem as though there's no light at the end of the tunnel. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sins if you are faithful to repent. So don't give in to the lie that whatever you may have done in your life, whatever consequences, if they are indeed a result of something you've done, don't let the devil convince you that that means God doesn't love you. God loved David. We know that from Scripture. Even though uh, what David had done was horrible, God had still forgiven him of it. God still loved David, and God was still with David, even in the midst of all this. And whatever in your life that you may be going through now or may go through later, know that God will be with you if you come to him and seek him and repent of your sin. You will see that light at the end of the tunnel and keep your eye on that light that is Jesus Christ. It said in verse 11, My loved ones and friends stand back from my affliction, 
and my relatives stand at a distance. Now, in the King James and maybe some other translations, it says my lovers and friends. Now, that would fit the situation of David fleeing from Absalom, uh, as Absalom did sleep with David's concubines and wives on the roof of the palace. So lovers uh, would fit there. So it's possible that that's what is mean by loved ones, our lovers there and his friends. Uh, and in that time, uh, David really didn't have many friends. It seemed as though everybody had kind of turned on him. And so David felt alone in what was going on. Now, that's common for you and I too. Sometimes we feel alone in our sin. Or we feel alone in our situations. We feel like nobody is there for us or cares for us. Now, in David's situation, that was literally true. But oftentimes in our situations, that's not true. That's another lie of the devil. He wants us to think that there's no one who cares about us. There's no one who's with us. There's no one who can relate to us. There's no one who wants to help us, that not even God wants to help us, much less our friends and family. But that, of course, is a lie because there are lots of people out there who love you and who care for you, and you need to know that today. If you need help, call out to the Lord. If you need help, after you've called out to the Lord, call out to me. Call out to a family member. Call out to a friend. Know that there are people who love you, and you're not alone in your situation. Even though it may seem that way, I want to tell you today, listen to this. You are not alone in whatever you're going through. There are people there who love you, and more importantly, there's a God there who loves you. Let's read a little further. Verses 12 through 14. Those who seek my life set traps, and those who want to harm me threaten to destroy me. They plot treachery all day long. I am like a deaf person. I do not hear. I am like a speechless person who does not open his mouth. I am like a man who does not hear and has no arguments in his mouth. Now, it sounds as though David is saying he's got enemies here that are coming after him, but David is keeping quiet. He's not retaliating against his enemies. He's not saying anything against those enemies who are coming to him. Now, perhaps that reminds us of the story of Jesus as he was arrested and taken before all these people. Uh, Jesus said very few things during that time. Uh, his, he, he kept his mouth shut uh, for the most part and didn't say a whole lot. Uh, and maybe that's what David is doing, uh, saying here, look, my enemies are coming against me, but I'm not even going to open my mouth because maybe David says, look, I know that I'm worthy of what's uh, about to take place. I know that I'm deserving of this punishment that I'm getting. Now, that's not the case of Jesus, of course. He was not deserving of the punishment that he was giving, but he willingly gave his life and took those things and did not speak up even though his enemies were coming against him. And maybe that's the same thing that David is saying here. Even though my enemies are against me, uh, I'm not going to open my mouth. I, I'm just going to uh, take what's what's given out because maybe he realized that this was the consequences. This, this was what uh, Nathan had told him about. If indeed this psalm was written as he was fleeing from Absalom, then no doubt that punishment had come to his mind. And maybe that's why he was saying here, I'm not... Uh, going to open my mouth. Maybe he knew that this is what uh, was to take place, and so uh, that might be his mindset when he writes those words. Let's read a little further, verses 15, 16, and 17. I put my hope in you, Lord. You will answer, Lord my God. For I said, don't let them rejoice over me, those who were arrogant toward me when I stumble. For I am about to fall, and my pain is constantly with me. Now here we see a little glimmer of hope here. It's been pretty rough through the first part of this psalm. Uh, David is, is, is in a bad place. His enemies are coming after him. We see physically he's in a bad place. We see his sin is, is, is heavy upon him. But here in verse 15 he says, I put my hope in you, Lord. You will answer, Lord my God. 
Now, all that was going on in David's life here, he did not give up on the Lord. He knew where where his hope was. He knew who he could call on, and he said, God, I know you will answer. And when he says, I know you will answer, I think what he's saying there, God, I know you're going to, I know you're going to answer and you're going to deliver me from this. I know you're going to make all this good. I know through everything that's going on, God, I know that you're still with me. I know that you're not going to abandon me. And sometimes God has to remind us of that. God's word is good. It's very timely oftentimes. There are times in my life that I'm really struggling with things or worried about things and uh, thinking, boy, does God still love me? Have I have I done this thing that was sinful that I shouldn't have done? Boy, is God angry with me? And so many times, boy, I'll open God's Word and I'll read it, and there will be just the right Scripture that I needed to hear that will remind me that God is still with me, that God does still love me. He's not always proud of the things I do. Sometimes, as he was angry with David, God is angry with me and probably angry with you too, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And I think what David says here is, God, I know you will answer. God, I know you still love me. God, I know you haven't abandoned me. God, I know you hear this prayer, and I know you'll get me through this situation. And you need to know that today, that God hears your prayers. If you're seeking out the Lord, he has not abandoned you. If you call out to the Lord, he will hear when you call out to him. And he will be with you and give you the strength to get through what you're going through. David says, don't let my enemies rejoice. He said, I'm about to fall. He was in a bad place. David was physically in a bad place. He was uh, mentally in a bad place. All the weight of his sin was pressing down on him. He, He was about to fall, he said. He felt the weight of all that, but he said, God, don't let my enemies overtake me. I'm calling out to you, Lord, and I know you'll answer. As bad as my situation looks, God, I know you'll answer. And you may need to know that today. That your situation may look bad, but call out to the Lord and know that he will answer. Let's read a little further. Verse 18, so I confess my guilt. I'm anxious because of my sin. Now that's the key right there. That's what we need to do. Uh, we can't just, if, if, if we've got sin in our life, and maybe there are consequences and things resulting as some of that sin, We can't just go on willy-nilly living in that and and just wait for it to get better. David didn't do that. He recognized that there was sin in his life. And he says here in verse 18, I confess my guilt. He's he's saying, Lord, I repent. I, I come to you. I come clean. I give you my sin. Dear Lord, I've done wrong. And he even says, I'm anxious because of my sin. Now, some of us get that. Because there are some things in our life that we feel those arrows of the Lord piercing into us, that conviction of the Holy Spirit. And boy, we're very anxious over something we've done or something we've said, the way we've acted, a way that we've sinned greatly. And boy, you just feel the anxiety of that. But I want to tell you, you don't have to feel the anxiety of that. You can give that to the Lord and say, God, I'm repenting of that. I don't want to live in this anxiety. I don't want to be anxious about this. God, you know I've done wrong. I know I've done wrong. And God, I'm confessing that to you and I'm repenting right now so that you can give me some peace, so that you can take that weight of that off of me. And maybe you need to pray that prayer today. Maybe you've recognized some consequences of your sins, but you've never repented of them. You've never come to the Lord and confessed those sins. Well, that's what David did. And because he did that, he knew the Lord was going to be with him and going to deliver him. And God will deliver you and he'll be with you today. But you've got to come to him and confess your sins. You've got to come to him and say, okay, God, I need your help. I've, I've blown it because of my sin, but God, I want you to have mercy on me right now. And God will hear those prayers. Yeah, there still may be consequences to your sin, but God will forgive you of your sin. 
And even we have, even though we may have a few little consequences in this life, well, for all of eternity, that sin will be remembered no more. And that's what God really desires is to wash your sins away forever so that you can be with him forever. And once you escape this old life, you'll be freed from those consequences and you'd be, you'll be found in his faithful love for all of eternity. Let's read a little further, verses 19 and 20. But my enemies are vigorous and powerful. Many hate me for no reason. Those who repay evil for good attack me for pursuing good. So David here is repeating something that we've seen in other, other psalms, in particular the last couple of psalms that we've read, 36 and 37. His enemies are against him. David has tried to do good in some situations, although as we talked about earlier, that was not the case in every situation. But David was a good guy. Even though he had done some bad things, David was still a man of God. And he said, look, don't let my enemies overtake me. They're trying to do evil to me, even though I'm trying to do what is good. And then he closes in verse 21. Lord, do not abandon me. My God, do not be far from me. Hurry to help me, Lord, my Savior. Now, what a fitting end to David's psalm here. And that might be the prayer that some of us need to pray today. Lord, hurry to me. Lord, do not abandon me. Lord, hurry, hurry, hurry. Help me. I need you to save me. Now, some of you may be going through some serious stuff. Some of you may be going through some little stuff. Some of you may be doing great. You may not be going through anything. But let us remember these words that David said, because there may be a time in our life, if not now, that these are the words that we need to pray. God, hurry to my aid. God, hurry to help me. God, I'm in a bad place. I'm struggling. I feel the pressure of the world. I feel the weight of my sin. I feel anxiety. I feel conviction. But God, I pray that you would deliver me. I pray that you'll forgive me. God, I pray that you would help me get through this. And if you feel like there's something you're going through today that's a consequence of a sin that you're convicted about, if you feel like David felt and maybe the Lord's pressing down on you, well, I want to tell you today that that's a good thing. It's a good thing because the Word of God tells us repeatedly that it's a good thing. Let's look at a couple of scriptures as we close. Psalm 94, 12 says, Lord, happy is the man you discipline and teach from your law. Happy is the man that the Lord disciplines. So if you feel the Lord is disciplining you today, then know that it's because the Lord loves you. In the same way that a parent disciplines a child, it doesn't mean the parent doesn't love the child. The child may have done something wrong, and the father or mother is trying to get the child to turn from the error of their ways and live right so they won't get themselves into trouble in the future. The same is what God does for us. If we are a child of God, He will discipline us. And the scripture says, happy is the man the Lord disciplines. So don't, don't let the devil get you to fall into condemnation and guilt because of your sin and discipline and make you think that God doesn't love you. Because just the, just the, uh, the, the uh, opposite is true. God does love you. God does care for you. And that's why you may be going through some of the discipline that you go through in life. Psalm 118.18 says, the Lord disciplined me severely, but do not give me over to death. Now, isn't that a great reminder? In David's situation, it was about as bad as it could be in this Psalm 38 we just read. And even though he was disciplined severely, the Lord didn't give him over to death. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. 
For the Lord disciplines the one he loves just as a father, the son he delights in. So don't despise the Lord's instruction and don't don't despise his discipline because the Lord disciplines the one that he loves. If you feel the hand of God pressing on you today, if you feel conviction, if you feel like there are consequences to some of the things that you've done in your life, then repent of those things and know that the Lord loves you. That's what he wants you to do. That's why God presses on us. He wants us to repent. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to turn from those ways. And sometimes God has to really put the pressure on us. In the same way that a child is not going to do right without some correction, well, oftentimes we are not either as Christians. As human beings, we need a little correction. We need a little conviction. And when we, when we experience that, it makes us turn from what's wrong and turn to what is good. If God is disciplining you today, it's because he loves you. That same truth is repeated in Hebrews chapter 12. This same verse from Proverbs is quoted. The Lord disciplines the one that he loves. Now we need to get that today. David got that. David knew that he had done wrong. He knew that he had sinned. He knew that the Lord was bringing some punishment on him because of what he had done and all that he was going through was a consequence of, of his sin. But he knew the Lord loved him. He did not forget that truth. And he knew the Lord would be faithful to deliver him. And so he called out to the Lord and said, Lord, have mercy on me in this time. I know I've sinned. Lord, don't abandon me. Lord, hurry to my aid. And the Lord did. And the Lord will do the same for you. If you repent of your sin, if you call out to him, if you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. And God, I feel the pressure and the burden of that sin. But God, I want to be delivered of it. God will deliver you of it. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and there is forgiveness of sin, and that light is Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He is the only one that can forgive your sins and give you the peace that you want from that anxiety that comes from all of your sin, from that burden that you feel, that weight that's on your shoulders. Only Jesus Christ can forgive you of that. If you hadn't put your faith and trust in Him today, if you hadn't repented of your sins and said, Lord, forgive me, I'm coming to you, then you need to do that today. You need to call out to Him just in the same way that David did and know that God is with you. Yeah, there are some things that we go through in this world, and sometimes they may be a result of, uh, of the choices we make and the things that we do. Not always. Not everything that happens in our life is a consequence of our sin and God disciplining us. But there may be times that it is. Don't let the devil convince you and condemn you that God doesn't care, God doesn't love you. But know that if you are being disciplined by the Lord, that just the opposite is true. God does love you. God does care for you. God is there for you, and he's waiting for you to call out to him today. Let's pray. God, we come to you, and I thank you for these good words. And I pray, dear Lord, that you give us discernment. This is a tough thing as we talk about David and, and feeling that your wrath and your anger, dear Lord. There may be times that we feel that in our life, and maybe rightfully so. There may be things that we've done that you're angry about, but God, don't let us give up. Don't let the devil uh, condemn us and make us feel guilty that you don't ever care for us or won't ever love us again, dear Lord. That's not true. But help us to learn from David that even if we are in a situation like that, God, that we just call out to you for repentance and forgiveness. Dear Lord, I just pray that you help us to have good discernment. We need that when we talk about stuff like this, dear Lord. Don't let us be overwhelmed and, and feel guilty. God, even if we have done wrong in our past, we give it to you. And dear Lord, we just, we just that's all we can do. And so God, I pray that you would uh, free us from whatever consequences you can, that you would have mercy on us. But God, I pray that if there are things we go through, that you just help us to, to 
keep seeking you in the midst of them. And God, I pray that you help us to discern what's really conviction of you and what's what's of the enemy trying to bring us into condemnation, dear Lord. We thank you that there is light at the end of the tunnel, dear Lord, even though we do sin. We thank you for Jesus Christ for coming and being that light uh, to be able to deliver us. And I pray, God, that everybody would see that today. As we, as we have studied your word, I pray that they would see that there's hope in you and that they would learn from David's example. God, whatever we may be going through, we trust you to the end. And God, I pray that if there are some that are struggling today, that you would hurry to their aid and deliver them just as you delivered David. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.